Celebrating Nowruz means the affirmation of life in harmony with nature, awareness of inseparable link between constructive labor and natural cycles of renewal and a respectful attitude towards natural sources of life. Hello, this is Somaya Dehban, a loyal Dutchified Iranian who has curated her kin throughout the years. I am the creator and host of Your Curated Kin, a podcast for anyone who has ever struggled with finding their tribe, whether in their own native land or some other place on this planet. This content is based on my personal stories and everyday challenges of life in exile that have shaped my personality, relationships, and career. It is also inspired by my intersectional experience as an Iranian in exile, an advocate for equality of opportunity, a mother of two gifted children, and a truly equal partner. We are living in an increasingly divided societies and communities. In this podcast series and its dedicated newsletter, I discuss why and how we should dig into our pasts to be able to build our common future and collectively move towards a just and sustainable international community. Join me every fourth Tuesday of the month to hear how we can connect with our roots and our communities. Now grab your favorite drink and let's unwind this episode of Your Curated Keen. Welcome to the sixth episode of Your Curated Kin. Thank you for showing up and tuning in. The month of March is always an exciting month for me because the spring starts in this month. And as you may know, Iranians celebrate the beginning of spring as the beginning of their new year. As I mentioned in the December episode, I feel quite blessed to celebrate the new year twice every year. This March, though, has been extra exciting for me because two special events happened this month. First, on 11 March, I gave my first TEDx talk in Den Haag, and the theme was Reinventing the Wheel. I was very happy to have this opportunity, especially that it was based on my fair binding model. Second, during the third week of March, over a course of three days, Local municipality elections took place in the Netherlands, and I was on the list of candidates for my party. This was the first time for me to be on an election list on behalf of my party. As a Dutchified Iranian living in exile, this was such a proud moment for me, and I can only hope for my fellow Iranians to also one day get the chance to freely represent the party of their own choice in Iran. Now with these exciting news, let's talk about what I have prepared for you for this episode. In this episode, I talk about guiding coalition. 
Guiding Coalition is the second stage of my personal and organizational model for binding. In the second segment of this podcast, I talk about Nowruz, the Iranian New Year and its similarities with our Dutch traditions. And in the last segment, as this is a quarterly episode, I highlight some of the topics in my three other podcasts and show how they are connected with your curated kin. In many occasions, when we are in the process of transformation, we take an isolated approach. What I mean by isolated is that we look at change from a single perspective, or from the perspective of the majority, or the perspective of the change initiator. This could alienate the community as a whole and prevent them from joining the initiative let alone being part of the implementation and scaling. We also look at the change without taking into account the context in which we want to bring about it. This can be the recipe for failure of our change efforts. Having a guiding coalition that is representative of our community and comprehends our context is quite important. And this coalition needs to be set up at the very beginning of our transformation process. In this episode, I share with you how by creating a guiding coalition, not only we can mobilize and facilitate the relevant groups and stakeholders in our community, we can also look into scaling our efforts. Running our systemic review, we then need to set up a coalition of unlikely allies to lead the change that we want to see. Through uh, promoting synergistic actions, this coalition will be open to everyone who has something to say and contribute. Let me give you some examples. How many times have you witnessed throughout your career that Your organization is about to go through a transformation, like the IT system is going to be changed, or the reporting process is going to change, or the internal learning and development is going to change. And then how many times of these occasions have you seen that after such an announcement, a group of external consultants are imported in, and after a few weeks, they put together a fancy presentation telling you that this is the change that is going to take place, this is the process, and even a few weeks or a month passes, and you don't see any of that change happening. And you think to yourself, it's nice that you're saying this and you're presenting it this, but my boss is not doing it and it actually doesn't concern me, or why should I even be involved because uh, nobody is following? If any of these questions has come to your mind, it is an indication that the change process has not been guided by a coalition that is representative of the people who are affected by this change. And this coalition is not sufficiently engaged with this process to guide the whole organization, the whole community through the process of transformation and change. For a change management, a transformation to be impactful, durable and scalable, 
we need it to be owned by everyone who is impacted by it in one way or another. In a small-scale transformation, we can directly discuss the impact of the change with all parties involved. A couple of weeks ago, in our household, for instance, I wanted to change our dining time. It was a very simple change, yet the impact of it was quite different and noticeable on my partner and on my children. It meant for my partner that he should change his working hours to be available for the new dining time. And for my children, they needed to adjust their playtime and homework time to be able to join us at the new dining time. In this case, I could directly talk to my partner and my children. And first I talked to my partner and I shared my reasoning and explained why it would help us and make our family dynamic more interesting if we change our dining hour. And as soon as he was on board with this change, he supported me in convincing our children and bringing them also on board with this change. My partner and I became the guiding coalition to guide the change and set examples for our children. Now, imagine in a bigger, much bigger context at a community level or organizational level. It is not easy to directly speak with all the people involved and all the people who are impacted by the process of this change. So the best is to find true representatives of different groups. Here is where the notion of diversity and inclusion becomes very important. When we are putting together a guiding coalition, we need to bring on board people from different age, different ethnic background, different gender, different sex, different levels of income, different levels of education, different networks, and any other category that is important to show a diverse and inclusive group. When we have a truly diverse and inclusive representation, we can count on this coalition of unlikely allies to move the process of change forward and bring back the message of change to their own communities that they are representing. They would set the example and they would guide the process collectively. Of course, in all of this, it's very important to take into account the context. We can talk about change from different perspectives, how it impacts different people, but we also need to talk about change in the context that it is happening. With this information, let's move to the next segment where I talk about Iranian New Year Nowruz. Just two days ago, on Sunday 20th of March, I celebrated the beginning of the Iranian New Year with my partner and our children. The Iranian New Year, which is called Nowruz, marks the beginning of the spring. Inscribed in 2009 on the representative list of intangible cultural heritage of humanity as a cultural tradition observed by numerous peoples, Nowruz is an ancestral festivity marking the first day of spring and the renewal of nature. 
It promotes values of peace and solidarity between generations and within families, as well as reconciliation and neighborliness, thus contributing to cultural diversity and friendship among peoples and different communities. Nowruz plays a significant role in strengthening the ties among peoples based on mutual respect and the ideals of peace and good relations. Its traditions and rituals reflect the cultural and ancient customs of civilizations of the East and West, which influenced those civilizations through the interchange of human values. Celebrating Nowruz means the affirmation of life in harmony with nature, awareness of inseparable link between constructive labor and natural cycles of renewal and a respectful attitude towards natural sources of life. There are many different traditions attached to this celebration, from jumping over fire on the last Wednesday of the year to completely and thoroughly cleaning and decluttering of the house, Marikondo but Iranian style, to setting up a table of seven symbols of life and prosperity, which is like setting a Christmas tree with ornaments, to special food and cookies and visiting family members. There are also many similarities between the characters in the Iranian New Year and the ones of the Western world. For instance, Iranian New Year tradition has a character named Amu Nowruz. He is an old, white-bearded man who is wise and tells stories and brings gifts. Sounds familiar? Yes, he is quite similar to the Dutch Santa Claus. And interestingly enough, Amu Nowruz also has a sidekick named Haji Firuz who dances and sings in the streets to bring joy to the neighborhoods. Haji Firuz, who oversees the New Year's festivities, also has a coal-black skin. Some versions of the traditional story traces this back to the characters watching over the eternal flame of the ancient Zoroastrians. Does this also sound familiar? Much like Haji Firuz is traditionally believed to be black because he has been darkened with soot, at least a segment of the Dutch believe also that Black Pete is black because he must take presents down the chimneys to deliver to children. But in a globalized world, this simplistic explanation in a children's story is no longer sufficient. To many, it represents systemic oppression. With this, let's move to the next segment of this episode, which is highlighting and sharing the linkages between different podcasts. an interrelated and interconnected world. To bring about change at political level, we need to take into account the interrelatedness of the challenges we face. 
As long as I remember, I have always been interested in a combination of different things. In sport, I liked volleyball and was in my school team, and at home, I played chess with my brothers. At school, I was very good at math and physics, but equally scored well in literature. I loved knitting and sewing, as well as painting, and won a few awards for it when I was a child. In my career, I also followed different paths. I worked in finance department of my university in Iran, and within six weeks, I set up a control system that surprised the head of finance department. I worked as the curriculum manager of my college, where I redesigned the schedule of my whole college with over 150 courses and 120 teachers. I worked for various NGOs and could deliver the work that was supposed to be delivered in four days, only in two and a half days. I worked for myself as a fundraiser, program developer, connector, nexus strategist, and lately as a community guardian. To the outside, it may look that I have jumped from one domain to the other. But to me, all these interests and roles are quite interwoven with each other. Perhaps in one of the upcoming episodes, I get to unravel the relation between all these interests and posts. When I wanted to start my podcasts, I wanted to show the interrelations between different subjects. Basically, I wanted to talk about the wickedness of our lives, the challenges we face, and the opportunities we have. Throughout my career, I was always told that I should only focus on one thing. I should be only known for one thing because we live in a specialist world and generalists like me are not understood by the society and most of the times have no clear career path. I agree that we live in a very specialized society, but I disagree that there is no place for generalists like me. It might not be as visible as a place of a specialist, but there is definitely a place for me and people like me. It has cost me a lot of energy and effort to stand my ground for the role of a generalist in our societies, and I might not have got there yet, but I'm not going to give up. We need more than ever people who can show the missing links, who can be the linking pins in our society. We need people, we need generalists who can show the interrelatedness and interconnectedness between different subjects. On quarterly basis, I share with you what I have discussed in my other podcasts and explain the relations between them. In this quarterly, I share with you the highlights from December, January, and February. In all the episodes, there have been a segment where I talked about my personal and organizational transformation model. I've been talking about understanding and in more details about systemic review. In Scale Your Impact, that comes out on the first Tuesday of the month, I have talked about SDG number one, no poverty, SDG number two, zero hunger, SDG number three, good health and well-being, and SDG number four, quality education. In these episodes, I discussed how at the time of setting the SDG targets, it was already known that these targets would not be achieved by 2030. I also discussed 
how no buffer was set for unforeseen circumstances, such as the pandemic. And that's why the pandemic has slowed down the progress for achieving 2030 agenda so heavily, and even in many instances brought us back to the level before the SDGs and the MDGs. In these episodes, I showed that quality of education, for instance, is not sufficient to guarantee a bright future for our children, since without a culturally anchored approach to equality, the families may fall back into old habits of child marriage or forcing their children into labor. In your native analyst, which comes out every second Tuesday of the month, I talked about elections in Iran and how every single representative in Iran at any level, local, national or international, is without a doubt pre-selected by the supreme leader, directly or indirectly. And this, of course, shows how the seemingly democratic political system of Iran is absolutely non-democratic. I also talked about 2015 Iran deal and its shortcomings and how it has jeopardized the democratic potential of Iranian people. By sharing the insights into the annual budget of Iran, I show that Islamic Republic is not counting on striking a deal with the international community. Putting these two elements together, the international community needs to rethink the legitimacy of Iran's representatives in international communities, such as the ones at UN or ILO or other international mechanisms. Lastly, I talked about 1979 revolution and how Islamic Republic has put all the lessons learned from this revolution into practice to stop any other revolution from getting the needed momentum to erupt. Now, with this information, imagine if we are moving towards achieving sustainable development goals. Take goal number 16, for instance, which is on peace, where the collaboration of the global community is required. How can we achieve this if a country like Iran is willing to sacrifice its own nation to keep the power? Can we count on such a regime to respect the peace in other regions? In your funding network that comes out every third Tuesday of the month, I talk about terminologies used in the field of fundraising and how at the end of the day, fundraising is all about the relation built with the donors. I talked about the necessity of understanding the context in which we raise funds as well as the role of consultants. I also talked about the new version of 80-20 rule, meaning 80% of your donations comes from 20% of your donors, and how this rule has turned into 95-5 rule. Lastly, I talked about the role of the board in fundraising, which is quite critical. The same with the importance of knowing the exact definition of terminologies used in fundraising. It is also very important to know the exact definition of terminologies used in academia and politics. For every research, we need to clearly define the domain of our research and how, for instance, we define impact. In many cases, impact is mistaken with outcome. 
and effectiveness is confused with being impactful. Or in case of considering the political system in Iran as a democratic one, we need to go back to the definition of democratic, where representatives are elected and not selected. In all these episodes, I also share with you what I consider to be the true meaning of freedom, and that is understanding the impact we have on the system and the system has on us. With this recap of previous episodes, let's move on to the last segment of this episode. In this episode, we talked about guiding coalition. When we embark on a transformation and change journey, we will face a lot of unknowns and we need to have the support of the ones who have walked through the process before. We also need to have various perspectives to help us navigate the scope and the impact of the transformation process we are going through. We need to bring on board allies from different walks of life to help us mobilize and facilitate this process. Change and transformation is never an isolated process. Therefore, contextualizing is of great importance. Having a guiding coalition help us not only to have these different perspectives, but also to bring back the message to our diverse communities. We also talked about Nowruz, the beginning of Iranian New Year, and the similarities between the Iranian characters and the Dutch ones and how both of them need to renew their backstories in the new era. And lastly, we discussed highlights of other podcasts and how different issues are interrelated and impact each other. If you are in the process of change and transformation, reach out to your community. Based on your context, your community could be your family, your close circle of friends, your neighbors, your colleagues or staff, or your political party. Reach out to your community, but not the usual suspects. Reach out to the ones that you usually do not interact with. Reach out to the ones that you never thought they could be of support to you and tell them about your process and ask them whether they want to be your guiding coalition. You will be surprised by what you may find. At the end of the day, A change is only sustainable and scalable if it is developed and guided at the collective level. We cannot scale in isolation. We need to establish it in the context in which we operate, and we need the power of the collective behind our process to make it work. And the only way that we can get the support of the collective is by engaging them in the process, the process of development, the process of decision-making, the process of implementation, and the process of scaling. What was the aha moment of this episode for you? Did you hear about something that resonated with you and your life? 
I hope you felt connected with another human being who has experienced similar challenges to yours. I also hope you have some more head and heart space to absorb more from what life has to offer. Want to hear more? Sign up for my thematic newsletters to get notified about each episode and more. You can do this by going to my website, somayedehban.com newsletters. Until the next unwinding, Bedrood.